So placing out the sermon notes that I've been prepared for you today, we're going to be looking at basic instruction before leaving earth. Today we look at God's book, God's voice. The word Bible comes from the Greek word biblos, which means the book. It was never meant to be just another book. It is the only book like it. Today my goal is that you will renew your faith, proud of the word of God, knowing it deserves special treatment by you. It is a supernatural book, and you will be able to share with a friend who doesn't believe this book is God's word. They always say, don't talk to me about the Bible. I don't believe it's very supernatural. You will then be able to say to them, this is why I believe. The Bible is God's word. So this is a study of the Bible. What do you think is the best known story in the Bible? Get involved me for a moment or two here. What do you think is the best known story in the entire Bible? There's lots of very, very good stories. The best known story actually is David and Goliath. Goliath stands before God and shouts, there is no God in Israel. Goliath, he may have been a distant relative of Andrea the giant. Goliath, for six days, challenges the Israelites to a one-on-one fight. But God, you see, I've already been preparing, preparing a little shepherd boy as he faithfully defended his sheep and with his slingshot and with the lie from the lions and the bears. This kid was already prepared. See, crises do not create heroes. Note this. Crisis reveals heroes. So David says, you, Goliath, you defy the living God. You come to me with a sword and a spear. I come to you in the name of the living God of Israel, so that all of the world will know that God is real. God is alive. When you read this story over and over, it means something new each time. God's word is alive and powerful. Look at Hebrews 4, verse 12. For the word of God is alive and powerful and sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. So when you're reading the Bible, a book that is hundreds of years old, it speaks to you and your life each day. The Bible speaks in your notes to your problems. How does God's word do that? Have you been sitting in church and you listen to God's word being read in a sermon or scriptures? How did pastor, you said, know about my life? Who told him about me? And the word of God, which is alive and active, it is seeking you out like radar. It is able to divide the joint and the marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. There is no other book like it. It is not easy reading. It's not fun. This book may may give hope. I'm depressed, though. But the word of God is powerful. It is on a mission to save the lost. Look at James 1, verse 25. If you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, that's the Bible, God will bless you for doing it. 
The Bible in your notes then is a mirror. The Bible is like a mirror. When you look into the mirror of God's word, God will show you exactly what you are like. The Bible is, first of all, S-O-S. That means it shows our Savior. That's the gospel. God's word is a blessing. Look at Jeremiah 23, verse 29. Does not my word burn like fire? Is it not like a mighty hammer that smashes a rock to pieces? But secondly, God's word, SOS, shows our sin. And that's the law. It's like a fire. In your notes, fire does three things. Number one, in your notes, fire illuminates. The fire of God's word shines into your heart and life when you read it and when you study it. So the word of God purifies your life to make it shine. But number two, fire also shows you who you really are. The Bible shows the real you, exactly what you're like. And number three, fire reveals what the situation is like. No matter what the world says about your situation, no matter how bleak the situation may seem to be, the Bible reveals the truth and the hope and eternal dimensions. So in your notes, I have included two key passages of Scripture, about Scripture. You would do well to memorize these. Second Timothy 3, verse 16. You already know John 3, 16, right? This is Second Timothy 3, 16. Please read it with me together out loud. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. Read that again with me. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. See, the entire Bible is inspired by God. Looking at 2 Peter 1, verse 21, Men spake, Peter said, from God, as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. God breathed his word into these human beings, who with their own personality, they wrote Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. And you can see their personality, their vocabulary, their training, where they had been in life. But you can see that God is making sure that he wants spoken is being said by these people to his people. So today I want you to see the Bible itself claims to be the word of God, but then it proves to be the word of God. I want to quickly look at five simple reasons the Bible is the supernatural word of God. This book needs to be given special attention because it is God's word. So you can tell your friends five reasons This book is supernatural. It's God's word. It's God's voice. Number one, 1,000 manuscripts of the New Testament are 99.9% without error. The New Testament is God's word because it's so accurate. 99.9% of over 1,000 manuscripts are without error. When you study the ancient manuscripts, such as Homer, who wrote the Iliad and the Odyssey, their manuscripts are few. There are few manuscripts, and yet they are accepted as being valid and true. With only few in number, they are accepted. 
But when you compare thousands of manuscripts of the New Testament to see if the message is reliable and true, they have less than one-tenth of a percent variation. There is more manuscripts evidence for New Testament truth than there is for all the other ancient texts. There is no other book like the New Testament in the history of literature, none at all. So to be the word of God, it must be accurate. Then number two in your notes, the places, the people, the events are historically correct. The Bible must be accurate when dealing with history. There are thousands of places and people and events that can be checked out to see if they are correct. William Albright, the great archaeologist of the Bible, says all the radical schools of New Testament criticism found that the places and the people and the verses of the Bible are authenticated when a shovel was put into the earth, when manuscripts were found, dug up, and restored. There have been no places or people or scripture that archaeology cannot validate. It's all there. Recently, a discovery outside of Jerusalem found a box. And on the box, it said, James, son of Joseph, brother of Jesus. That was pretty clear. See, Jesus did have brothers. James was the first pastor of the early church in Jerusalem. Every time the shovel goes in, the scientific world sees that the Bible is God's word. There was an ancient people called the Hittites. For hundreds of years, there was no evidence, no record, that such a nation ever existed. But in your notes, the Hittites were people discovered in a recent scrolls. A shovel goes in and it finds the Hittites. And they were a sophisticated civilization. In fact, Time Magazine, a number of years ago, had an article validating the civilization. The evidence from science keeps coming to so people can see the Bible is God's word. Can you see a common thread there? If the Bible says it, you better believe it. You can have a mind and still be a Christian. The Shema in the Old Testament says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. Jesus added in Matthew when he quoted the prophet, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, your mind, and strength. See, Christianity did not reject reason. There was no contradiction with science and the Bible. There may be some contradictions with some of the theories. The science keeps reinforcing the truth of God's word. In fact, when the great debate arose at the time of Columbus about whether the world was heliocentric, that means the earth revolved around the sun, or whether it was geocentric, meaning the sun revolved around the earth. You can look into the book of Isaiah, where God's word says the world is theocentric because the people on the earth are like grasshoppers in my eyes. God is the center. The debate is over. We are to be a Jesus-centric people. The first great scientist was, you know, Thomas Kepler, who happened to be a Lutheran Christian. He defined science as thinking God's thoughts after him. On the back of your notes, number three, then, the Bible written over 1,500 years has great unity. See, the supernatural character of the Bible is seen in its great unity. Josh McDowell 
says the truly intellectual approach to is to believe that the Bible is the authentic word of God. The Bible was written over a period of 1,500 years with God using 40 different writers from all walks of life. A king wrote it, a shepherd wrote it, a fisherman wrote it, a general wrote it, statesman, servant, a tent maker named Paul, a Gentile doctor named Luke, prophet, tax collector named Matthew. See, the Bible was written by 40 different writers from all walks of life. So in your notes, in three languages, on three different continents, there is tremendous unity. We're dealing with the most controversial subjects ever faced by mankind. Think about it, about death, and meaning of life, and purpose, vocation, human sexuality, morals, you name it. When facing these issues, it is unparalleled by any book, any philosophy, any religion ever devised by man. You see, this book was not devised by man. This book, the Bible, reads me. I don't read the Bible. It reads me. The number four in your notes, the Bible is confirmed by miracles. The supernatural character of the Bible is confirmed by its many miracles. It is the miracles of the Bible that is really authenticate the Bible's supernatural status. You see, miracles of the Bible never happen in other religions. In your notes, Muhammad, he never did a miracle. Muhammad even believed that Jesus was a prophet who performed miracles, including raising people from the dead. When unbelievers challenged Muhammad once to perform a miracle for them, he admitted that he could not do it. He said, go read more another chapter of your Quran. Only the New Testament has a God-man, Jesus, who works miracles. The miracles of Jesus distinguish him from all others. Buddha, he didn't do it. Confucius didn't do it. None of the Hindu leaders did miracles. Gandhi didn't do it. Only Jesus proved his divine nature by performing miracles. John's disciples came to Jesus asking him one day if he was the promised Messiah from God. Just look at Matthew 11, verse 4. Jesus told John's disciples, You go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen. The blind see, it's a miracle. The lame walk, another miracle. The lepers are cured, a miracle. Deaf hear, a miracle. The dead are raised to life. So Jesus was doing miracles as proof that he was God. But miracles do not create faith. Note that. Miracles themselves do not create faith. Miracles simply confirm faith. See, miracles only when you have faith. See, the Pharisees saw Jesus' miracles, and because they had no faith, they would not accept them. That's one reason we have maybe few miracles today. Then number five, the Bible in your notes fulfills prophecy. Scripture proves it is inspired and authentic because of fulfilled prophecy. There was a study done on psychics in America who are predicting all the time using their astrological charts. People read that stuff all the time. They found that psychic predictions had less than a 6% fulfillment ratio. Why are we paying these people for less than 6% fulfillment? 
Do you know what the biblical fulfillment ratio is? The Bible tells us that the difference between the real prophet and the false prophet is that the real prophet predicts something that happens. When the false prophet says anything, it doesn't happen. The Bible says, pick up a rock and kill them. So the prophets of God made sure that they were speaking God's word before they spoke. Thus says the Lord. That was their instruction. Fulfillment of prophecy in the Bible is 100%. So in your notes, 191 prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament are accurately fulfilled by Jesus. Prophecies were about where Jesus would be born and who his ancestry would be and who his mother would be. Of course, they could not be controlled by Jesus himself. His prophecies were written years in advance. No other book in the world could have proof of this authenticity. What else do we need to, for us to become to value our Bibles? To really read our Bibles and to study our Bibles. So in conclusion, Christianity is not really about the Bible, and you know it's about Jesus. Christianity is about Jesus, but the Bible is the teaching word about Jesus. And you notice the Bible brings the Bible brings you and me to Jesus. Therefore, you should be reading your Bibles. There is good news, comforting news, strengthening news, words of guidance, answers to life's questions in the Bible. It's about Jesus. So join me in saying 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, together out loud. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. See, the Bible is God's word. It's God's voice. Amen.